If Reality Check Radio enriches your day and life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. Here on Reality Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Remember, you can send me a text at 2057. Email me at inbox at realitycheck.radio. For some reason, I feel as though this interview should come with a warning because <laughs> it's likely to make you angry. I know I got Rebecca Jones is our guest. Uh, she emailed us and I read the email. And it's a funny thing. I think if I'd read it four years ago, it wouldn't have troubled me. But it deeply troubled me now after the experience of the COVID. Four years ago, I would have said, oh, well, they know what they're doing. They're experts. Mm, not anymore. So you're probably going to get upset and angry just listening to this in a way our health system is run and incentivized. That's the bit that gets me. And mm. then how they're treating our kids. Rebecca Jones, good morning. Good morning, Rodney. Thanks for having me. Listeners don't have the benefit of seeing you, but it's always wonderful to meet a health professional who just exudes joy, happiness, and good health. <laughs> Thank and you you're very a wonderful much. exemplar of your profession. You are a naturopath. That's right. Yeah. By training. However, mm. you went in quite deep because you founded a medical center called the Holistic Medical Center in 2003. That's right. Yeah. So, like you were employing nurses and doctors, not just naturopaths. Yeah, I was the only naturopath, but uh, yeah, employed doctors and nurses. Just we had it was back in the day before PHOs actually, so um, we had something called a Section eighty eight, a little bit of a different setup than we do now, and uh, which gave us the ability to have two full time equivalent doctors, and then we had yeah nurses, and I was the only naturopath, and I would just help the doctors so that they could navigate questions about supplements or you know, add dietary advice. So, but the doctors were the clinical lead and I was just like a support person to, you know, help them out. Good for you. And mm -hmm. I remember when that PHO model came in, um, mm. it was controversial mm. and it was the Helen Clark administration that brought it in, I believe, and doctors pushed back about it, but then just embraced it because I think as the model was rolled out, they were basically incentivized just to accept it. And um, they sort of shrugged and became almost state employees at that point of that model, as I saw I'd it. agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And, and that loss of independence occurred right then. But you've got an interesting experience because tell us about the – PHO model, you got rolled into a PHO, you couldn't avoid it, and then yep. you had a policy. Tell us about the vaccination of kids, what your policy was, and how the PHO model worked against you. Okay, so basically we held out as long as we possibly could for joining the PHOs, and then we interviewed, I, I met with a, a bunch of different ones and chose one, but I said at the time that uh, all of our there's various sort of KPIs, if you like. You know, there's the mammograms and the cardiovascular checks. There's these various programs. And we're very good. We were very good on those because our pop practice population were very interested in looking after themselves. But I said our immunization rate for children would be one of the lowest 
and are you okay with that? And I said, absolutely no problem, no problem at all. And I said, because we have a policy, we don't pressure parents, we document what they want to do and we respect their wishes and that's all we do. We, we're not going to pressure parents or try to tell them that they have to immunise their kids. You know, these are the scheduled vaccines for up to two years old. Um, and they said, that's totally fine, that's totally fine. And as time went along, it actually changed quite a lot. So they said, this is, you know, your stats are the lowest in the PHO and it's not okay and you have to do more. And I said, well, again, we're not going to pressure them. And uh, I got into, we did a whole, we set up a whole immunisation conversation, consultation with the nurse where they could come and talk about things and, and what have you. And then that evolved. Who's into they, the, the PHO bosses or the client? The PHO, well, the PHO, there's various different PHOs and they have slightly different. This one didn't really have a good complement of doctors. So they weren't really familiar with what it was like actually in general practice. Some okay. PHOs have like a clinical governance where there's a lot of medical uh, experience GP input, whereas this one didn't have that. So, uh, yeah, so I, I did this very comprehensive flowchart, which basically every single thing that I, that are that a parent would want to do. So, you know, from everything on time to uh, none at all. And then I had consent forms for everything. So some parents would have some and not others. Some would have all of them, but delay. And uh, the statistical, the way the bonuses work is if you meet targets. So the target with these is it's fully immunized by the age of two or zero. There wasn't anything in between. So we were doing a lot more work than other practices because we were doing more consultations. We were doing... Um, more visits. We were doing, there's a lot of work and I had a consent form for literally everything. So we had this flow chart and when the parent came in, this is what we would do. And so that wasn't good enough. And so they said they would not accept nurses uh, declining um, immunizations or delaying that they had to, if they decided to do that, then they had to be booked in with the doctor. And the doctor was like, oh, this is, seems, you know, a little bit already I'm pretty busy. This doesn't seem like a good use of my time. So then we had to set up a free doctor's visit for them to discuss that with the doctor and then they could be referred to the nurse. And then they said they wanted to sit in with the doctor's consultation and it was very offensive. And uh, the pressure um, on the staff was very, they were very critical of my staff. And so I had a couple of nurses that would end up in tears. So I had to say, look, you're not allowed to see my staff, you have to speak with me only, you're not allowed to, you know, because I'm not having you coming in and disrupting and upsetting my staff, that's not, not you know, not okay. So, uh, and then this this conversation with the doctor where they told the doctor they were going to be sitting in was, you know, bypassed me as well. So, yeah, so there was a lot of, a lot of, work, just, um, a lot of Can I just query this? Mm. First up, I'm astonished that you were following what I would have thought was standard practice of informed consent. Yeah, I so, yeah. I would have thought that when it comes to anything, vaccinations included, that you explain it to parents and then they make a choice and everyone says, yeah, 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 good, right? Right. What right. you were doing is what you would do for any other medication. Right, exactly. So that that's what really struck me about this, that you were considered poor performing and odd and sort of 
subpar because you were actually meeting the professional obligation of informed consent. Yeah. That, that was another part of it where they told the nurses what they were allowed to and not allowed to say to parents. They were only allowed to say what was in the Ministry of Health guidelines around immunisation. So there's obviously risk, risk factors. You know, there's a risk factors for hepatitis. There's risk factors for um, uh, tetanus. You know, the, how do you get tetanus? How do you get hepatitis? What are the risk factors? So uh, those are the types of questions parents asked. Mm. You know, what is the risk of my child getting hepatitis and how do you get it and things like that. So um, it was and, a bit, yeah. And when you went into this PHO, you had explained to them mm. about your having a low immunisation rate. And, of yeah. course, no doubt your, do you call them clients, customers? How do you describe patients? patients? Yeah, patients. Yeah. No doubt your patients are a little self-selected to come to your practice because they're weary of over-medication, they question mm. medication, and that's why they're coming to you because you're offering that service. And so mm. it's all a bit understandable that it's not just Rodney Hyde rocking up, it's someone who's into the naturopath outlook, if you like, and questioning right. allopathic medicine. So I get that. Mm. When you went into the PHO, they were quite relaxed about your position. Yeah, yeah. They said it's no same, problem. Was it the same people? Was there a change in management or? No, same people. Now, when the PHO, the P, the people, I don't, I don't get too into it, but the people that were running the PHO and were querying you, you suggested they weren't doctors. No, correct. What are they, accountants or managers or something? Uh, sort of like public health professionals, I think university degreed public health professionals, but not nurses or doctors. Sort you of know, like that, right. Michael Baker, yeah. yeah. Um, so they were wanting to up your immunization rate, criticizing mm. your nurses to the extent that they would tear up, mm. and then wanting to sit in. With a doctor, so the, if if a if a if a parent was going to say, "Oh no, I'd rather not take that vaccination for Johnny," mm. they wanted the nurse then to send that patient to the doctor. The doctor say, "Oh God, what they've made their decision right." Mm. He or she then has to sit with this patient and go through this vaccination thing, mm. and on top of that, these managers of the PHO wanted to be in the room. Yeah, they what they suggested is another doctor. At that point, that was later down the track because this had gone on for quite some time. Uh, they had employed a doctor, and they wanted the doctor sit in the room with our doctor. And of course, that's that's offensive to any doctor, obviously, because well, it's, it's offensive to the patient and offensive to the patient. Correct. Um, and you suggested earlier on that you got paid as a PHO only if you fulfilled the entire vaccination schedule on time. Right. right. So there's a difference. So you get a, a monthly payment of the patient based on certain criteria. The amount based was based on certain criteria. And uh, that's a monthly payment. 
but then they had programs. So they had regional programs and then they had national programs. So the mammogram program, and you once you met a target, say 83% or nine, I think it was 90% for cervical checks. Um, and we were like 93%. So we were always over that. So you get a bonus if you met that target. So we never met the target for for uh, fully immunized by the age of two. So there was a bonus that I, we didn't get. So I'm assuming, I don't know exactly all the ins and outs of the PHO system, but I'm assuming that was a, um, uh, they were missing out on that. And they were financially. saying, You're, yeah, financially speaking. So they, they what they told me is you're bringing the entire PHO down in that area. And I said, yeah, but we're bringing it up in this area, you know, so we're like everything else, our cardiovascular checks, our stop smoking program, um, mammograms, we were great, you know, so it was just this the one P area. The, the PHO model, I yeah. mean, the payment system must be extraordinarily complex with all these incentives and bonuses and whatnot. And you also get paid per patient, right, that's on your books. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. It's so, not a... I don't know if I can say how much it is, but it's a no, no, it's a, not a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if I'm on a if I'm on a uh, PHO's books, even if I don't go and see them for ten years, they're getting paid for me because I'm on their books. Yeah, there is a period of time. So when you if you don't go and see them, okay, it does lapse after three years or something. So you okay. have to fill out another form. And then yeah. if I go and see them, they get mm. an extra payment. No. No, so the model is designed to, they get that one payment per month for you. And so the more times you go, they start to lose money. So it's a dis dis you know, sort of disincentivized <laughs> to go. What a bizarre thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the other complexity, I don't know if it's particularly relevant, but if you go to a practice that's not your practice, um, you go there as a casual patient then there's a they get paid they do get paid a fee for you it's called fee for service and then that gets the following month that fee comes out of the PHO that you're registered with so if you keep going to another practice they really lose money and so they're yeah. like okay you need to join that practice because you're costing us money so administratively it's a very weighty very weighty and then when you when someone joins you don't get it's not till the next up so you can take like a couple of months you know to get the payment for that person once they register, depending on when it. And so the bureaucrats that are administering the system are endlessly tweaking the bonuses and the payments and the incentives to yeah. determine behaviour. Yeah, I guess from the point of view of where you visit, yes. Is that what you mean? No, I'm thinking like um, they can say, oh, let's push cervical cancer or we want so we'll set a target of 90 percent and then you get a bonus or let's let's set covid vaccinations and we'll set a target and you'll get why um and the phos are responding to that financial incentive in terms of giving medical advice that's what i find offensive the i see what you're that, saying the idea yeah. that um they're not being uh paid to look after me uh, they're being paid to meet some government goal. I might agree with yes. the goal, I might not, but it sort of That's irks right. me. Right, right. I mean, I, I go in and, you know, one of your parents goes in yeah, and you're saying, you know, about Johnny getting vaccinated 
and the nurse is sitting there and saying, well, the PHO wants you to get vaccinated because we get another X dollars. So mm. take the jab. That's not that's not the relationship I'm thinking I'm having with that nurse or that PHO, if you know what I mean. Right, yeah. I feel as, though, I, feel as though I am the, the PHO has become an instrument of government policy because that's where the money's coming from and is being mm. incentivized a certain way. And I'm sitting there pouring my heart out and I'm expecting that their nurse and the doctor will use their best clinical judgment, but they're, what's the word, slightly contaminated, I guess, or by this model, which is incentivizing behaviors from the nursing <coughs> Specifically designed, specifically designed to do that. Yes, it's interesting. It's def I think in terms of the clinical, because the, the nurses are not getting incentivized and the, and the doctors themselves no, are messed up that. in the corner. I, I understand yeah, so. that. But the, their bosses are. Yeah, whoever owns the clinic, and there's definitely a shift away from doctor-owned medical centres, mm. you know, so... Uh, so I've got all that, and I mean, to be honest, I guess if I thought about it, I'd realise that was happening, but to hear it in your own words, to me, uh, is quite shocking, and as I said, you know, compounded by the experience of these recent years, you mm. then had this before, was it before school checks come along? Yeah, 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 it's pretty <laughs> Tell me about I, this. Well, that's what actually triggered this, you know, whole drama where, you know, I was... They tried to close the clinic down, but I got a call and ironically the person who ran the immunisation program, who obviously didn't like me very much, also ran the before school checks. So the before school checks uh, were done on four-year-old children and they were there was there was a parental checklist that they would fill out and then they were done at daycare centres and then at one point Plunkett were doing them and then another then they moved into general practice. It turns out... I found out much later many GPs refused to do them, but I didn't I didn't know that at the time. So there's two parts. So the first part's very good. It's like a hearing. Uh, you check the gums um, and sight and the immunisation history. And then there's a second part to it. And the second part's are called a S&D or a strength and difficulty questionnaire. And it's a series of questions which are very arbitrary and they're things like um, does your four-year-old readily share their cherished toys? You know, anyone who's had a four-year-old, <laughs> I've had a couple, I've had a couple. Um, do they get on better with adults than children? Do they look out the window too much? Do they daydream too much? Like very yeah, vague, uh, very, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like, you know, I mean, probably daydreaming is a good thing in children myself. But anyway, um, so, and what that is, it's a psychiatric uh, instrument and it's used to diagnose mental illness. So, uh, oh, my, oh, my goodness. Did I know, you... this is, my heart's oh. like that. My heart so, was, when I read that, and I thought, oh, the before school checks, oh, wonderful, because we're picking up these kids with hearing difficulties, right, mm, that mm. can be addressed before they, you know, it becomes a huge problem. So you say, yeah. oh, of course, before school checks, what a wonderful innovation. And Sounds they're amazing. Doing, they're <laughs> doing, slipped into this, the subjective questions, because as a mother, or father, does Johnny look out the window too much? You're thinking, compared to what? Yeah. Like how much does a kid supposed to look out the 
Rhonda. Let's hear a Rhonda. I mean, it's toys. Oh, sometimes, but not with that little um, maniac down the road that always. <laughs> I mean, what on earth? How do you deal with that? God, I, I, know. I wouldn't. Anyway, kids share their toys. Um, it's so they're doing these questions. Carry on. It's yeah. just so it's okay. Chilling. So yeah. So exactly. So so I did my research on this uh, before when the, when the information you know that, that it was going to be moving into general practice, and there was an article written in the Otago. So Otago Daily Times, really yes, good a, journalist. Yeah. That and, was a great uh, newspaper back in the day. A great oh, newspaper. So this I can't remember the, the journalist, but he had brought up the question. So there was the data that I was given is you were not allowed to tell parents not to do it. You're not allowed to say anything that might make them rethink or consider not doing it. And so the data. Uh, once you do the checklist, it gives you um, a diagnosis of mental illness, like either I think it's anxiety disorder, depressive disorder, learning, or other psychiatric. But worse still, it gives you a prediction over the lifetime, you know, like 60% likely over the lifetime to develop this disorder um, of those four categories. And I was like, geez, please. And then the data is <laughs> held for the lifetime of the child. This is the parents don't know this. No, and of course not. And there's no privacy policy governing the data, which is what this journalist had found out. And anyone who's considered to be a health professional with no definition of health professional is allowed access to this. But how it's used, there's no policy on how it can be used. Like who can your insurance company, because, yeah, that's a big deal, you know, your insurance company can get it. And they say, well, we're not going to cover you because you've got a risk of anxiety. You know, I don't know. I'm not saying that happens, but... The, the point is there's no privacy policy, which is why this journalist had made a complaint to the ombudsman. And uh, also, I mean, for what for what purpose? What is the, what are you helping? What is the outcome you're achieving? What is the, you know, what, what how are you helping a child by doing a, you know, getting a psychiatric label at four years old that's there for life? I, you know, it's pretty concerning. And, of course, the, the risk is, of course, getting children put onto antidepressants or Ritalin or... You know, these kind of things like. Uh, and, and parents, obviously, with my three little kids, we mm. have done this before school check. Mm. And we would have completely innocently answered the questions. Yeah. Yeah. We would have had no idea what was being sought from us or indeed that this was being recorded against our child we had no idea that it was a check for predicting a mental illness if they had said that we would have refused right right interesting isn't it this is the point that is the point that is the point, isn't it? Because who would refuse a, a sight check? Or I mean, it's just very. No. That's really, really a good thing. So, and, and I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't believe all the psychiatry and mental illness stuff, um, right. and this idea that we diagnose kids with this, that, and the other thing—it's overdone. Mm. And these horrid people 
are doing that to parents who are totally unwitting in what the I mean it's just extra I mean I'm I'm gobsmacked, Rebecca. Yeah. It's 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 really nice to be able to actually talk about it after all these years because that data's still there, you know, it's still there and, and and your PHO got paid for asking those questions. Yeah, there was a well that I don't know what the PHO was paid, but from memory it was a hundred dollars plus GST per child for each before school check. So, uh, yeah, so I got the call, and when are you sending a nurse? And I said, well, I won't be sending a nurse. This is, uh, it's completely not okay to be doing, you know, diagnosing four-year-old children. You know, the SDSMD is a, <clears throat> is a psychiatric instrument. And I got into, it was actually quite a quite an exchange <laughs> on the phone, and this person said, no, it's not. And I said, you can look in any psychiatric journal. I can send you 50 links, you know, in 20 minutes showing that it's used. It's never been used on children. And it's even controversial in teenagers. It's even controversial in of itself as an as a instrument. But it is an instrument for diagnosis. And I said, and I've actually done. I actually filled out the form myself with made-up answers, and it gave me a prediction. So would you like me to send you a copy of that? Because Oh, my goodness. Just so oh, everyone, just um, you're on Reality Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. We're talking to naturopath Rebecca Jones, who ran a, a practice clinic with doctors and nurses called Holistic Medical Centre. And when the government rolled out the PHOs, uh, we learned about how the pressure went on financially to just vaccinate the kids and shut up, and not that, not to, not to do your normal informed consent. And now we're learning that these before school checks for which, you know, they get $100 per check, which, you know, is a good thing for sight and hearing, also had a psychiatric tool, a series of questions that would be asked that would predict mental illness in four-year-olds. And the questions would be along the lines of, oh, does Johnny look out of the window? <laughs> Does, does he I don't know. Him? All right, yeah. sounds like he's going to be Adolf Hitler when he grows up. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I think I showed compassion for other. I mean, four-year-old children are just emerging, aren't they? They're just finding the world, and you know, it's a different shit. Oh. No. So you're having yeah. this conversation, and they're saying no, 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 and you're saying yes, it is, yes, it is, and then I've yeah. filled out the form with made-up answers and got a prediction. I know exactly what I'm talking to. I can send you the links. So this is yeah. going on. Sorry, I just had to yeah. pick up people that are just tuning in. Yes, okay. Sure, sure. Uh, so yes, I said, well, we won't be, we won't be um, doing that. We're just not going to be. I said you would have to shut me down. To I would not be doing that. There's no way that I don't even know where you know, what benefit that would, there's no evidence to support it at all. And and there's no informed consent, you know. And I'm looking at my, you know, patient rights right here on the wall because yeah. you have to display them. Yeah. And it's respect respect their choices, obviously, respect your patient's choices. And informed consent, you know, you have the right to know. And I said, and also the documentation tells me what I'm allowed to say what the documentation you provide us is not what you're providing to the parents. They're very different documents and that's, there's no transparency. So, you know, there's no privacy policy governing it and the um, potential misuse of the data is just 
phenomenal, so I won't be doing them. So, but 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 it uh, it rained hellfire down <laughs> after that for about nine months. It was pretty intense. So, yeah. and the hellfire so, was entirely from your PHO managers. Entirely, yeah, entirely, yeah. And what what was their what was their message? What was what happened? So obviously I said earlier um, I'd prevented any of the people coming into the practice from interacting with the staff because they got so upset, you know, they were very critical and undermining. And, and so I said, you have to deal with me and then I'm the only person that is going to be the liaison and that's the end of that. But unbeknownst to anyone, someone from the PHO came in and did a an audit <laughs> of our immunisations and wrote a report to the DHB saying that we had to be shut down and that we were the, the main words were fraudulent and a danger to the community and taking money without delivering any health services. Uh, and Gee, they insisted I suspend my nurse immediately, which, of course, there was no way I was going to do that. And so um, they wrote to the nursing council, the funding uh, office for the DHB. I don't know if anywhere else they wrote, but anyway, so they so they um, they did an audit of our immunisation history, which honestly I later found out we were one of the best practices in terms of our processes with the, all of the consent forms and how we documented everything, and we did all these extra, you know, um, visits. They could have free visits as many, as many times as they wanted to discuss, you know, whatever and work out, you know. Anyway, uh, I don't know, it took me about 100 hours of going through and auditing and pretty much every single point was wrong. Like every, like this person doesn't have a consent form and I'm like, here's the consent form. This person doesn't have a consent form and this consent form has been done but it hasn't been scanned. So I took photos and that. so there was uh, this, this immunisation was charted and this immunisation was given, which are different, which was not true. That was a correct and so you, the batch they, number wasn't just they, they attempted they wrote a stitch up report without your knowledge. Yeah. Sent yeah. it off to the DHB. Yeah. Highly damaging to you and to your business. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think these people were just believers that you were endangering children's health? Or do you think it was you're a square peg in a round hole, or do you think it was just about money? I well, it's a bit tricky. I think um, it, it became. I just couldn't fit very well into the model. I did very well, to be honest. Uh, we worked with. We took on every apart from the before school check. We obviously did all the programs, um, and I personally believe it became personal. Because it yeah. felt personal. That's yeah. it became like a bit of a vendetta. You're just that's it. We're done with you. We're gonna. But, we but it all started really right after the yeah before school check. Right after the before school check conversation was right after that. So, um, there was no. There were a lot of GP clinics who didn't do it in in the end. Um, and certainly people could go to their plunket still and get it done or whatever if they wanted to. But um, it it did become personal but also the thing that's difficult for me is I, I care I cared very deeply for the patients and I felt like it was our job to well respect patients and 
help them with their health. And doing something like this was like not helping anybody as a as a, a consumption of our resources, which could be used to help someone, you know, with, you know, chronic sleep problems or whatever, you know. Um, it's also it's also cheating them to me. You're sort of cheating, cheating them. them. Cheating yeah. them. You're cheating them. You're saying we're doing this thing for this reason, but underneath it there really is a deeper reason. A this, you mm -hmm. know, like um, your nurses and doctors mm. would have self-selected in terms of working for you because they agreed with your philosophy and approach, I'm guessing. Mostly. I mean, I, like I said, I was the clinical junior in a sense. Yes. We had a model where we did 30-minute consultations, which was amazing. And so for someone who sees, you know, 30 patients a day, you know, 10-minute consultations, it's a breath of fresh air because you could really establish a relationship with your patients and get to know them and have time to answer the questions. So it it was a a lot of the doctors that I had worked somewhere else, but they worked there so they could learn more about, you know, this person brings in a box of supplements. I have no idea. What do I, you know, should I be taking them? Or, I don't know. So I could help answer those questions. And why would someone take magnesium? And, you know, why would they take vitamin D and these kind of things? So it was they could learn a bit of how to create like adjunct services for their patient. You know, we would have other GPs who said, I don't know what to do with your fatigue or your chronic migraines. Just go to the holistic medical center. I've heard they can help. So we would get wow. referrals from other GPs where they're like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know what else I could offer you here, but if you want more, you could try them. We did get some referrals from specialists um, in certain areas and things like that. So, so it was good, you know, because we, we, we had some really outstanding results with chronic type stuff. And your staff, doctors, and nurses would have appreciated you sticking up for them. Yes. Getting between them and the management. Exactly. Taking the pressure. Yeah. I mean, it was important. It's very important, you know, in a GP clinic that you, it's not easy work because you're dealing with sick and unhappy people a lot. So you, to create a group where people work together and are, to really enjoy that and feel protected, it's quite an, I felt anyway, I felt it was very important. Mm. Um, and make it as pleasant a working environment as possible, you know. So the PHO that you're working for, the primary health organisation of which you're a member and your payments come through, has written a, done an audit without your knowledge and written a report that was a stitch up, mm. demonstrably wrong, and sent it off to the DHB full of libelous and defamatory material. Mm. I don't, I feel like an everyday journalist when I say, how did that make you feel? <laughs> I was so angry. I was, I mean, really, I was, you know, I had to, I mean, obviously, you know, in a general practice, you, you've got to stay quite calm. So I locked myself in my office. I was really angry. And I was angry that, why didn't you talk to me? Why, you know? And so it was a lot of work to do the audit, but I was super angry that they were so disrespectful to my nurses, really angry. And I was really angry that they, particularly, I think that was the most upsetting part, is that how do you demand that I suspend my nurse? Under what law? Under what, 
based on, I was so angry. And she was a really good nurse. And uh, so, yeah, I was very, you know, this before school check, I just wanted to say, I'd actually made a decision with the practice. I'd talked to them and said, this is what I found out. This is what this is. I do not want to do this. How do you feel? They're like, we agree. It's fine. So it's not like I was making decisions. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I was super angry. So it took me, I didn't think I even did anything about it that day. I just like took a day. You know, went home, came back to work the next day. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to do an audit. So that's when I started doing the audit, and I um, immediately emailed the next day, emailed the PHO saying how disappointed I was, and that I would be doing an audit to uh, look into what they've said. And uh, I sent the same email to, one is an email or a letter to the DHB, and. Uh, to the nursing council as well. So I immediately sort of contacted those those guys. And uh, then I, when I did the audit, I, I, honestly, I was shocked. I was like, did this person take LSD and then come and do the audit? Because wow. it's wholly like it was so wrong. It was, wow. it, it was so wrong I couldn't even, it was quite something. The only point, interestingly, and again, this comes back to the fact that they're not doctors and they've never been in that clinical setting. So they can't really understand what it's like mm. to be in general practice and mm. seeing patients and working with the complexities that can, you know, come up while respecting people's wishes, while delivering services, while all those things. So um, there was actually one patient where there wasn't a consent form and it was the most complex, if you could, the most, there was five children in the room. This person was under maternal mental health. She was very, very stressed. Um, uh, she had the one child there, and we're like, there's no way you're going to get a consent form out of that situation. It was very, you know, the fact she'd come in and she just wanted to do, I'm doing this. You're like, okay, good, you know. Yeah. But, and the nurse did incredible. Like five children in a room with a mum that's, you know, not doing too good is the challenging, you know. Yeah. So, of course, there was no consent form, but. You know, there was the, literally the only point in the entire report, which is very long, uh, that was accurate, but it was accurate without the underlying data, you know. Was your audit accepted by the DHB? Uh, yes, it was, yes, because I sent the information and then, yes, this can, here's a photo of the consent form. Here's a photo of the consent form waiting to be scanned. This is the batch number. They said the batch number of the vaccine's not there. Here it is. It's documented. I mean... Uh, you know, so yes, it was. And then after that, so I that, said, like, Yeah. So mm. you could hardly stay with that PHO after that experience. No. <laughs> Is it easy no. to change PHO? Well, it was interesting. I said, you know, I sent an email saying, here's my audit. And as you can see, I mean, there's, it's wholly inaccurate. And this is what I've sent. And uh, and I support my staff and what have you. And there's obviously a huge breakdown in trust over this, and I'll be moving PHOs. <clears throat> and uh, and they said, well, you're required to give us three months' notice, but under the circumstances, paraphrasing, we don't want you, so you can go. So uh, the PHO went to, they then sent the same letter, which had already been, you know, they'd sent the same letter to that PHO and said, you cannot take this practice on they're no. very dangerous and they're very actually no matter the timing is wrong there 
it hadn't finished. The audit hadn't been yet accepted by the DHB, my audit. So um, anyway, so I sent what I'd done, my report, to that PHO. And then I had, it was months, this is months. I'm talking like from woe to go, like eight or nine months. And uh, the nursing council accepted my audit and my letter of support for my nurse. And um, the DHB accepted it. And then this PHO was in a well, you know, so... Uh, so I had to do a, um, I gave them the information and then they, I had done over a meeting with the clinical governance committee, which was primarily doctors. And it was, in the end, it worked out great. It was great. It was, they said, well, I don't know why you're being punished for patients that make decisions that you can't control. So it seems a bit pointless. So no problem. But yeah. The new PHO was good? Great. Really good. Yeah. Allowed you not to do the before checks? I think by that stage, yeah, no, it was no problem. It was no problem. And I was told, I think it was that PHO that told me that other doctors had decided not to do that Mm. as well. I mean, obviously, GPs are busy places, you know. GP clinics are very busy places. So Busy places. yeah, Yeah, it's not a useful thing for a GP. I am flabbergasted at the control exerted over all of this and the, what's the word? It's sort of the skullduggery. Obviously the PHO is bad, but it's the skullduggery of this before check and this immunization approach where you feel as though you're sitting there to see the doctor or the nurse and there's these Ministry of Health posters up explaining your rights and you've got all this. And I remember <coughs> when I I got my appendix out just before they put me under, they explained to me everything that could go wrong. And it was mm. quite a long list and quite a terrifying list. Mm. And um, if I hadn't been all robed up, I probably would have backed out <laughs> because it sounded <laughs> so horrific. But I thought, oh, well, I'm here now. But you know what I mean? They go. Overboard. I do. Yeah, I do. They do. I my yeah. My son had surgery, and there was like three. They have like they really follow quite a, you know. Yeah. And the informed consent was extraordinary. I was like, this is really extraordinary. Yeah. I'm a bit, a bit frightened about my son going to surgery now, but at least yeah. I'm informed, you know. And then yeah. when my mum was in her nineties and would go into hospital on her last trip, and I mean it was all this informed consent, and you're thinking she's ninety four, you know, she's not too good on all of this. But mm. they did it. So mm. I'm shocked that when it comes to this vaccination, it's just take the jab or else, and 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 this pressure comes on, and then there's financial imperative. Mm. Now you're out of the health sector entirely, which is our great yeah. loss. Oh, thank you. It's a nice thing to say. Yeah, I do yeah. miss it. I do miss it at times, but I have to say, I didn't. I don't know that I would have enjoyed the COVID. No. Well, know, that, I can't that even was, imagine what that, that was, was like. That was, that was this on speed. But of course, by then, by the time COVID had rolled around, they the this the the health system had in place all the mechanisms of control. Mm. That also demonstrated with your example of what happens if you step out. Mm. This before school check still occurring? I don't know if they're still doing it. I haven't heard that, um, but there was many 
I think it's over many thousands of kids, you know, and I don't know where the data the data is. I remember when my kids were I remember when my kids were 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 little, the Plunkett nurse coming, who was very lovely. And we've all got memories of standing in the nick when you're a little toddler, standing on the scales with the Plunkett nurse and I still got my little Plunkett book about telling me to eat brains and liver um, <laughs> for, ba- for baby food, right? As a child in the, oh, wow. in the 19, late 50s and early 60s. And, um, oh, yes, he's doing well, but he needs to eat a bit. Of, you know, you need to give him some brains, lamb's brains and liver. And so I had a wonderful, warm view of Plunkett. But when Plunkett turned up with my for my little kids, very nice lady. We, my wife and I weren't of a mind to have her back oh. because the questions were of a intrusive nature. Interesting. You know, yeah. Or I'd have to go away, I think. And she'd turn to my wife and she'd say, do you ever feel scared? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And this sort of like, a, 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 do you feel safe and all this sort of rubbish, right? Wow. Funny, funny thing was, I asked her about this in a very conversational, polite way. And I said, um, do you go into gang houses? And she said very, very carefully. I said, do you ask him his questions? And she said, no. Oh, my goodness. I I found it very upsetting that you invite a Plunkett nurse into your home and they're asking your wife about whether she's being hit. Yeah. I don't know. I just felt a bit, I felt that. Yeah, Mm. and it was, she was reading it out of a list. Like, Mm. no disrespect to her. Mm. But this before school check, it's that same intrusion. Mm. And you don't realize because you're talking to the nurse, and in a sense, it's a bit like them saying, how's your day? You know, oh, fine. And you're passing conversation. And so then they're sitting there saying, oh, does Johnny look out of the window a lot? You sort of, oh, oh, you know, you don't realize that you're answering a diagnostic tool for mental illness. Yeah. It's quite shocking, isn't it? You said in your email to me, you don't have to say who or who they work for, that you took this information to a journalist. Yeah. And what was the journalist's response? Uh, Well, took it all down, as I've told you, and then uh, called me... Later, and were, they, and, were they surprised like me that this was such a not thing? not as outraged as you like not as outraged as I expected like I expected yeah. outrage, um, being being a parent, uh, you know, of young children, I was I was expecting outrage because I was outraged and not so much, not so much, you know, that I, as I expected, but later it gave me a call and said we'd be running the piece, but I can't. I can't say we need to um, have a balanced view and overall uh, it's a good thing. And so we're not going to be putting in, we're going to, it's not going to be what you expect. And I can't put in 
some of the information that you put. So it was a very much, there's been some, con- what had already been out there really, there's been a you know, complaint to the ombudsman about the privacy policy. Um, definitely there wasn't the information in that article about the diagnostic and predictive nature of the uh, of the S&D. And, uh, and that overall seemed like a good thing, but it was a bit of a, like a, a puff piece. You know, it was kind of like a, not done as a, Really, like in a, in a, in a, as you'd expect a journalist, exactly, no. exactly. So, and of course, this is what is happening to the legacy media now, isn't it? That they mm. um, can't do those exposes because 10, 15, 20 years ago, this would have been a scoop, yeah, yeah. Uh, it would have I was been so a... surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I got a like, scoop. how are you not like, yeah, I'll be like, ah. <laughs> yeah, front page. Hold, hold, hold the front page, John. I got a scoop. You can't believe what they're getting these doctors to do, and how they're using the information. And get this: parents have no clue. Mm. That would be a scoop. Yeah. Now it's all um, can't write it, and so we're kept constantly completely in the dark with this whole professional medical service. Yeah. I guess the, the part, there's something, there's something I actually forgot to tell you because I've only just re- remembered, but when for, for parents who were saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I've had this one, I'm not having any more or not having any, and you document that, and they're like, I don't want to be on the recall. Like I don't want to receive reminders about immunizations. You could take them off the recall list and say, okay, parents declined recall. And you would note that had it was totally normal back then. And then I was told, you're not allowed. You have to keep sending reminders. And I said, well, if our parents decided when we're respecting that, would that not be not respecting their choice? I don't, you know. And like, you cannot, you absolutely cannot be a violation of your contract. So then what would happen is these overdue. The overdue ones would get sent to um, immunization outreach. <laughs> I don't know if you remember immunization outreach, no. but there was a bus. It would go to people's houses. Just it would just turn up at people's houses and say, "We're here to no. immunize." Yeah, and I, how? How? What? It actually happened to um, someone I know, and she said, "I got this." You know, not not from my clinic, but um, um, she lives out south, and they said these people just turned up. They just turned up with this bus and said, "We're here to immunize your child." <laughs> Holy moly. So, yeah, so they would take those lists of overdues and they would be forwarded um, forwarded to the Immunisation Outreach Program. I don't know if they still have that. And it works because to my eternal shame, I got, I accepted all the vaccinations for my children when they were little. And we debated it endlessly. And Back then, I thought, look, every health expert can't be, can't be wrong. <laughs> Robert Kennedy looks like a nutter. And I was a member of Western A. Price, and they were big on not accepting it. And I thought, I think they're wrong on this. But ultimately, what tipped me over was, A, the effort for trying to figure it all out, because you're busy, right, apparently. Mm. And B... I, I said to my wife, every time 
we go and see the doctor with these kids. The kids say, are you vaccinated? And I said, they're going to have you marked down as a nut, nut job. And it was sort of, I was went for it really because of the social pressure, which is my eternal shame. I'm, I'm embarrassed and I feel as though ultimately I'll have to apologise to my children because I feel as though I let them down. Because now what I learned through the COVID experience and then reading Robert Kennedy's book, what we think we're getting when what we got when we were kids is vastly different today. Mm. And even what we were getting as kids is questionable. But mm. you it's this pressure. Mm. The doctors are under this pressure, the PHOs are under this pressure, the nurses are under this pressure, the the the, the people right through the system. And so the whole thing has been primed for that COVID experience, hasn't it? Yeah, I guess you could you could say that. You could say that. I personally never saw any side effects from the scheduled vaccines, mm. but I certainly um, some of the non-scheduled ones. You know, when they did the um, meningitis vaccine, they did a trial run which never made it onto the schedule, so I guess it wasn't. But there was remember those scare campaigns? You'll die. Yeah. If you don't have the meningitis vaccine and they ran it through the schools and everything, I saw some pretty bad side effects from that vaccine. Um, which interestingly never made it onto the it never made it onto the schedule, or the immunization schedule. So I don't know if that wasn't it just kind of went away. So <laughs> no, and so ah oh, ah, oh, Rebecca Jones, it's <laughs> been a pleasure speaking yeah. with you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you too, right? Well. Like I said, I felt this, I had to give a content warning because it is upsetting mm. and it's sacred, nurse and doctor. Mm. And I got very upset that doctors through the COVID era were being told what they couldn't and couldn't say and the advice mm. that they couldn't, couldn't give. Mm. And then I realised that when I go and see a doctor, I'm no longer talking to a doctor as my doctor, but as an agent of the government, mm. implementing government policy, which I may mm. or may not agree with. Because I think when I go into the doctor's room or the nurse's room, it's very intimate, very personal, and they're using their training and experience to give me the very best advice. But I discovered in the COVID era if their very best advice deviated from what the government wanted them to say, they would lose their job. Yeah. And at that point, I had no confidence in my doctors or nurses. And so it's yeah. wonderful to meet you. Those brave doctors that have spoken out, mm. even if they were wrong, and we now know they're not, mm. were to be greatly admired. Because we got into this pickle and this predicament because people just go along with it. And mm. that's why it's such a pleasure to have you blow the whistle, but also not to go along with it. Yeah, and thank to stick you. up for your doctors and for your nurses and for your patients. Yeah, thanks. Those are very yeah. courageous doctors, very courageous doctors. Very it's courageous great. doctors. Yeah. And then um, and then dear Barry Young the conspiracy theorist, 
um, who's released that data. And again, we still haven't got to the bottom of that. But my goodness, mm. the way they came after him and the way they treat people, it's not human. And what I loved about you, Rebecca, is um, if I was your patient, I'd feel very well cared for and protected. Oh, my goodness. It's a delightful thing to say. Thank you, Rodney. Mm. But no, it's amazing because you don't feel that nowadays. No. I hope you get going back into the health field. I So I do. I hope we get to a stage where you can re-enter because I think you have such a wonderful approach and style. Thank, Thank you. you. You're on Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. It's reallycheck.radio. Pretty astonishing interview. We're so lucky to have Rebecca um, speaking up. And remember, you can send me a text at 2057. Email me inbox at radleycheck.radio. And boy, what we've just had is some real talk. Frightening. Thank you for tuning in to RCR Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, just like what you're listening to. Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so connect with us today.